0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, we're starting a new series, as Mike said, about traveling light. And and I think the thing about things that are in our life, uh, baggage that's in our life, how many of you understand this, that many times we we try to run away from it? We think, we think. well, if I go to another church or if I go uh, to another place, another job or, or switch. And, and, and I think we, we, we buy the lie that... Um, by just changing locations um, that uh, we can run away from it. But the problem is, as we all know, with this new technology of luggage it has wheels now. Isn't it great? Remember the day when you didn't have wheels? You didn't have this nice handle? And what we do is we, we think that um, by running away, we're going we're gonna to leave that thing behind. But what ends up happening is this. We just end up dragging it behind us, don't we? And then and then we go to this new place, <clears throat> and everything's great, right, for for the first couple days or the first couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden, something pops up, and all of a sudden we realize: wait a minute, I'm still carrying that thing. I'm still carrying that anger or that guilt or that bitterness in our lives. And it hinders us from knowing God and dealing um, with our baggage and dealing with our issues. It's not just about changing relationships or changing locations god wants to deal with our hearts today and deal with the root of the problem i think what happens is is we um we think we get rid of it and we think okay i'm good and then all of a sudden um we open up hope it's not dead okay we open up our luggage right only to find more baggage in there right How many know what I'm talking about, right? And isn't it amazing, a lot of times we travel with this, now we're traveling with this, because this is too expensive. This costs you money now on many airlines, right? This, you can bring on the plane with you and fight for overhead space with everybody else, right? I know you guys, you're the one that's like, I got to get first in line because I want mine to get in the overhead. And then when you get there and if you're late, if you guys need to travel, everybody takes up the front of the plane and you got to put this in the back of the plane. And then you're one of those people that have to hold the whole plane up because you've got to get this from the back of the plane because there's no room in the front of the plane, right? That's the way traveling is today, right? So what we want to do is we want to deal with our baggage, not just deal with it, not just transport, not just move it from one place to the other, but deal with our baggage in the way that God wants us to deal with it. So it's not this thing that we're lugging around our life that's keeping us from worshiping the Lord. Now, here's the, here's the verse I want to give you this morning. Here, here's just a great foundational verse that I want to give for the next three weeks as we learn how to travel light. And we're going to be looking at guilt today. And the, the verse I want to give you is found in Hebrews 12.1. And it says this. And, and the Hebrew writer is encouraging uh, these Christians that are under persecution not to, not to give up. Um, he says to look at those that have, have run the race. Look to those who didn't give up. And he says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those that have gone before us, those that you know just travailed and persevered, he said, look to them. And this is what the writer says. The writer says, throw just off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out before us. And so here's what the Hebrew writer is is trying to tell us this morning. Sin so easily can get wrapped around our lives and our feet that it literally keeps us from running the race that Christ has set out before us. And what begins to happen is, if we're not careful, it will steal our joy. It it will steal our comfort in the Lord. And all the things that God has forth, and we think by dragging this thing around, it's going to make me feel better. And what God is saying is, no, it's impeding your walk with me and all the things that I desire to give to you. So the, the interesting thing is that as I was thinking about this message and, and researching, it for, uh, researching for this message on traveling light, it's just interesting how trends have changed over the year in air, air travel. And and. I think probably the two biggest trends that we've seen over in air travel over the last 10, 15 years is, like I said earlier, is that you have to pay, most airlines now, you have to pay for your luggage. It's like $8,000 to bring a piece of luggage on, right? You got to pay for your luggage. And now there's weight restrictions, right? It can't be over five pounds now, or they charge you $300, right? So we, we see this weight restriction. We see, and so this has really changed the way we've done, especially going on missions trips because you know, a lot, many times we have to bring stuff with us. So I tell people, listen, international flights, just, we used to be able to carry two pieces of luggage. And then I would tell people, listen, only carry one. We need that extra one to bring stuff. Now they only let you carry uh, one carry on in international flights, and then you have to pay for the other. So, you know, everybody knows that, um, that, uh, that, that, that I'm cheap. I confessed it. The birds call my name every morning. Cheap, cheap. Okay. So I get it. I'm cheap. Everybody knows. So like I'm, I'm dickering with the, with the people at the counter like, Hey, we're going on a mission trip. You know, it's for God's glory. We're, you know, can you just wave the the $50? You know, we're trying to, (laughs) some people are really nice and some people are like, no, give me your money and stop trying to make me feel guilty. Um, Because sometimes it does work, but we're going to talk about how that doesn't work in our life. Okay. So we see this huge trend, and, and, and so you have to kind of rethink the way you travel, right? So for our family, because I'm cheap, um, our family, this is the way we travel now. We travel, we've moved from this, honey, you don't have to take six pairs of shoes for seven days. Okay. So we've traveled from this, to this now so we don't have to pay for this so we've we, we all started taking our cares. and isn't it amazing isn't it amazing that we thought there is no way that i could travel for a week with this if you were to ask somebody 10 15 years ago they're saying that is impossible there's no way but man you put a price tag on it and you're like, oh, now I can travel. This is this. I think I can do this. And it's amazing how you rethink. I, I remember going on, you know, going on so many mission trips with our church, and and now we have to really think. We, we really try to travel light. And I remember one year, I think it was going to Costa Rica, and we were coming back, and we we you know that that was the time we could take two two carry-ons, and and um, so we had all these big bins that we had to bring back, and one of the bins was um uh it was really late and, and so i had one person stay behind i said you got to wait for this bin because we got to get this on the connecting flight so this one person stay behind they waited for the bin and they end up missing our connecting flight in atlanta and they got they got they got caught back well come to find out he opens the bin of what he had to wait for cuz we thought it was you know expensive equipment and you know construction stuff it was a bin full of stinky work boots <laughs> That's what he got caught back And believe me, I never heard of the end of it. Uh, and and so it, it's amazing how, we, how we've, you know, how we've um, just rethought the way we travel because now we have to pay for all these things. And what's interesting about this is that if we're not careful, the longer we live our lives, the more baggage can get loaded up in our lives. The, the more weight that gets added to our life. And it, and it, and it can overwhelm us to the point of not even growing or knowing Christ in a deeper way. And so I want to deal with these things, just three things of, of probably the three biggest things that we drag around in our lives. And, and that's keeping us from, from knowing God. So let me, give you some, let me just give you a couple of foundational passages here that are going to help us today, because today I really want to deal with guilt. And, and I think guilt is, is one thing that all of us struggle with, uh, either not doing things correctly, the guilt of our past, and for some reason, Guilt just seems to keep making its way back into our life that reminds us of something that we did in our past, or somebody brings it up and holds it over our head of something that we did in our past. And it just, it's like a weight in this luggage that's in our life. We're like, Pastor, how do I overcome this thing? Because it, for some reason, I feel like it's buried and it's done and I left it behind me. And then all of a sudden, somebody or something just reminds me of that guilt. And then condemnation sets in. And then I feel like, man, am I, am I really a Christian or am I really serving the Lord well? And how can God accept me with, with this thing holding over in my past? And so let me give you just a couple key wonderful foundations that are going to help us over the next three weeks. One is, is Psalms 55, 22. And it says this, let me read from the NLT version. It says, it says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. And I, and I love what Peter echoes this in the New Testament in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. And he says this, he says, humble yourselves therefore under what? God's mighty hand that he may do what? Lift you up in due time. And then I love this verse. It says, cast all your anxiety, all your care upon him because he cares for you. So how do we deal with our baggage? How do we deal with wrong choices, the sin of our past, the mistakes that we have made? Do you push it down and try to forget about it only for it to pop up again? Um, Do you add it to all the other issues in your life and all the other regrets until it becomes unbearable? Um, life can get heavier and heavier and heavier and more and more burdensome if we don't deal with it the correct way. And, and, and we'll ask ourselves all the time, why do I feel so stressed out? And how many know every single one of us are busy, life is busy, but for some reason we, we ask ourselves, why am I so stressed out? I think we're trying to solve our guilt issues or our past mistakes the wrong way. And it just continues to add up. And we try to fix it through behavioral modification. I'll do better next time. I'll I'll try not to make the same mistake. Uh, I'll make more time. I'll be a better person. Only to make the same mistakes again. And become absorbed by my own guilt and condemnation all over again. It's like a vicious circle sometimes, isn't it? Jumping on the merry-go-round again. Thinking that I just jumped off this thing. And now I'm back on it again. Can you imagine... If you were driving your car or walking around your neighborhood and you saw a jogger running like this with a big piece of luggage behind us, like, where are you going, right? You would just think it's ridiculous. And you would say, just drop the luggage. You're going to run much much faster if you drop the luggage. And this is what the word of God is telling us. Peter is actually saying this. Uh, The Hebrew writer is saying this. Drop anything that hinders you from running the race. Peter tells us to cast all this wrong thinking onto Christ. And Peter says to cast all your cares, he, he wants us to have this picture. It would literally mean taking excess baggage and throwing it on the back of a donkey or another animal. It's taking that burden and placing that burden on this animal to take it for you. And, and what he's saying is take your burdens and literally... Place them upon Christ because he cares for you. The cares or anxieties Peter's talking about is any issue that weighs on your heart. Anything that causes worry or guilt can do that. And and it it may be guilt from our past failures. It may be guilt from not meeting everyone's expectations. Moms, right? It's never good enough sometimes, isn't it? I don't want peanut butter and jelly. I wanted a ham sandwich today. This again in my lunch, right? Go hungry, kid, all right? No, I'm just teasing, right? You may feel guilty because you, you feel like you're not doing enough. And, and me mentioning guilt right now are making some of you feel guilty, right? Um, have you ever felt guilt for no reason? Like you feel this kind of like, why am I feeling? I don't even know what, what did I do? You know, or, or it, just whatever. Someone wants to talk to you and, 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 and you're thinking, what did I do now? Right? You don't know what the reason is, but then the first thing you do is you fill in the gaps with all this negative stuff because you think, oh, they're pregnant time because I did something. Now, then you, then you spend the next hour thinking, What did I do? Are they mad at me for this reason? Did I say something wrong? Right? And we just fill our minds. How many had parents that were the masters of the guilt game, right? They get you to do stuff. When all else fails, guilt your kids. It's great. It works every time. No, I'm just kidding, right? Here's the thing. As we read through the scriptures, we were never meant to carry the burden of guilt and condemnation. Physically, mentally, our bodies cannot do it. And the Lord knows this. And and we are literally a stressed-out society, a pressure-filled society that is stressed out. It's affecting our health, the way we do things, and I believe the Word of God speaks right to it, and it's speaking to a heart issue. And so the question is, how do we deal with the guilt and the condemnation, and how do we deal with the guilt and the condemnation of the past? And, and and you know, many of us, the, the reason why we didn't like church or come to church because we said, man, church only made me feel guilty about my life and the wrong things that I'm doing. That's why I left church. And maybe this is your view of God, that he's there to make you feel guilty and ashamed about your life. And so what I want to do is I want to correct this misunderstanding about God. And my prayer is that you'll find this true f- freedom in Christ From dealing with guilt and combination the wrong way and then dealing with it the right way. And I I want you to just I want I want you to remember this: that Jesus never guilts us into a relationship with him. He does not do that because he knows it will not last. Jesus' greatest desire is that he has. Your heart. So let's start here. What is the real issue? The real issue is the heart. And here is the issue. Many times we do a much better job at monitoring our behavior than we do our heart. This is key. Because I think what we, what we say to ourselves, we believe this lie, is that if I can just change my behavior, it's going to take away all the baggage and guilt in my life. And guess what? It will not. It may last for a while, but it will still be there behind you wherever you may go. We have to deal with our heart. It's much easier to deal with our behavior than it is to deal with our heart. Why? Are you ready for your aha moment this morning? This is the reason why you came to church this morning. Are you ready? Behavior can be faked. Give you the reason why. Case in point, I'm not saying this has ever happened to anyone here. Let's just suppose. Okay, this is just, let's just suppose. I know this has never happened to any of you here. Okay, let's just suppose you're coming to church or it's in the morning and you just got in a fight with your spouse. And now you have to come to church. I know this has never happened to anyone here ever in the lifetime of your marriage, right? And so you come into the, and you've been fighting, you've been arguing, maybe it's something that's carried over from the night before, and you know you have to go to church, and, and, and it's still festering, and there's still bickering going on in the car, and, and then you come to the church, and all of a sudden you put on your praise the Lord, hallelujah face. Right? Now, 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 listen, yelling at your spouse in the service and having an argument wouldn't be appropriate, so you say, we will talk about this later, but right now we're going to worship the Lord. So you put on the praise of the Lord, hallelujah face, and you fake it, right? You fake it. And you're worshiping the Lord. You don't know what's been said. You don't even know what songs you sang. Um, and then all of a sudden the pastor comes up and he talks about that. No, I'm just kidding. You. You know, and, and then, you know, and all during the message, there's something that reminds you of what you guys, and you're, you're hitting your spot. Are you listening to this? Are you hearing what he's saying? Because this is what we're talking about later, because I'm taking notes, buddy. <laughs> buddy boy, right? See, what, what, what is happening is we are completely faking it. And I know this has never happened to any of us here. But let's be honest. We fake our behavior all the time. We fake it in front of other people. But you can't fake what's going on in your heart. See, it's much easier to change my behavior than it is to change my heart. So what we do is instead of dealing with our heart, we say, well, I'll just change my behavior. But meanwhile, this thing is right behind us wherever we go. It doesn't change. This baggage, this guilt, this condemnation, whatever it is, bitterness is right behind us wherever we go. Now, we've changed our behavior. We may be doing it skipping along, right? <laughs> yeah, Hallelujah, praise. But it's right there, right? it hasn't changed because we haven't dealt with our heart. We just dealt with our behavior. We just changed the way we look down the outside. See, Jesus wants your heart. He, if he's got your heart, it's going to change your behavior the right way. Not faking it, you're going to leave this thing behind. So, so it's much easier to fake our behavior, but you can't fake what's going on in your heart. It's much easier to change my behavior than it is to change my heart. Jesus, that's why Jesus said, what you say flows from what is in your heart, not your mouth, from your heart. And so what we have to do is we have to guard our heart at all costs. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do, flows from it. See, we're going to say things from our mouth, and we say, oh, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> something broke through the filter. Oh, I didn't mean it, Oh, right? And then we just, we just kind of cast away, like, oh, I just had a bad day, or this other driver irritated me, or my coworker irritated me, and they just pushed me too far. And, I said something I shouldn't say. But what's really going on? There's something in your heart. That's not right. There's something you're carrying. There's some burden. There's some bitterness. There's some anger. There's something you haven't dealt with that's here. And what we do is, well, I'm going to blame it on somebody else, or I'll just change my behavior without ever dealing with our heart. Jeremiah says this in 17, 9, 9 and 10. He says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked, right? And some people say, oh, just follow your what yeah how many of that got us into trouble right following your heart jeremiah saying the heart is the most deceitful thing of all and desperately wicked who can really know how bad it really is but i the lord searches what the heart and examines the secret motives and i will give all people the due reward according to what their actions deserve So God knows and sees our heart. So Jesus explains this to his disciples that it's not what you eat that defiles you or what comes from your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes from your heart. And let me read this to you because it's a great little parable in Matthew 15. Let me just read you a couple passages here of what Jesus means about dealing with our heart. Matthew 15, verse 10 says this. It said, Jesus called the crowd to him. And he said, listen and understand. Because there's this big argument going around like, hey, Jesus' disciples don't wash their hands. And so that makes them unclean and blah, 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 blah. And so Jesus says, listen, he calls the crowd together. And he says, listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but it's what comes out of his mouth and what makes him unclean. And then his the disciples came up to him and asked Do you not know the Pharisees were offended by by when they heard this? And he replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by its root. Leave them. They are blind guides. And if blind men lead a blind man, both will fall in a pit. And then Peter says, well, you know, Jesus, explain, explain this parable to us. And then Jesus, are you still dull? Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the... Heart and these make a man unclean for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean, but eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. And see, here's the issue. We all have filters. We all know what we shouldn't say, but sometimes things slip through our filter and they just come out. And we can brush it aside and say, well, I'm not going to say that thing again. Or we can say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's something deeper that's going on and I need to have a heart check here. Maybe there needs to be a heart change. And we all need a heart change and our hearts are defective because of sin. And because of sin, we're all guilty before God. And so how do we deal with that guilt? By simply changing our behavior? No, right? It's not just about becoming better or I'll never say that again or I'll never use that word again, mommy, right? See, guilt is the result of having done something we perceived as wrong. And guilt is a debt we have to pay. And we're always trying to make up for our guilt, and I heard one guy explain this one time. I had a funeral one time, and a guy came up to me after. He says, oh, that was really nice. I enjoyed the service. And he, and, and he said, yeah, uh, you know, our church has a lot of people in it. And he goes, the only reason people come to our church is because they're guilted into coming. I said, well, that's the kind of church I want to go to. Woo-hoo, have fun with that one, right? Maybe some of you grew up that way. See, when you're guilted into doing something, it's not fun. And some of you were maybe guilted into going to church as a kid by saying, if, hey, You don't want to go to hell, then you better come to church, right? Hallelujah! That just makes you want to love Jesus, right? Um, Or this one: If you really love me, you would dot dot dot. Look at all the things that I've done for you. Dot dot dot. Right? See, guilt is a is a debt we have to pay over and over and over again. Have you ever had a past mistake brought up to you over and over and over again? You get in a disagreement with somebody and they, boy, they got, they got that thing in their holster and they've been waiting to use it, right? And they said, do you remember when you, right? It's like 45 years ago, but do you remember when you, right? They, they're waiting to use that thing to hold that as guilt, to use it as leverage over your life. And they use it as leverage to get you to keep you in your chains. But see, Jesus never uses guilt us to serve him. And so in order to deal with our guilt and our sin, we have to go to the heart. And we have to realize that every single one of us, we stand before a holy God guilty because of our sin. And we've fallen short of his perfection, the word of God says. And there's no way in, in our goodness or our behavioral modification that we could ever make up for our guilt. And we will try. We'll try to make up for our guilt by trying to be a better person. Making up for our wrongs. I'll give more. I'll do more. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll try to change. But we can never truly make up for that guilt. I feel guilty for what I put my kids through. I feel guilty for that bad marriage I went through. I feel guilty. I feel guilty. How do I get over this? Well, I want you to understand this. The reason why God sent his son is to deal with the penalty and the guilt of our sin and the residue that sin leaves in our lives. That's why Paul says in Romans 8, 1, he says, so now there is no condemnation for those that belong to Jesus Christ. For those that are in Christ, God forgives us. See, guilt comes from that unregenerate heart. But Jesus comes, dies a death that we should have died, hangs on the cross, who is perfect, without guilt, perfect in every way. He is God. And Jesus covers my guilt and shame through his work on the cross. And so how do we, how do we overcome this guilt? Because the first thing we've got to deal with is that. We've got to deal with our sin. Because from everything else, that flows from it, right? From our heart, everything else flows from it. So if I don't deal with my sin and my imperfection before God, if I don't deal with that first, nothing else will cover it. And so what the Bible says is that is that Jesus comes to do that for us. So, so how do I deal with that? It? Well, it, it we overcome the guilt of falling short of God's perfection. We overcome the guilt of our sin through our confession and our belief in Christ Jesus. Here's a great verse. First John one, nine. It says, but if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all wickedness, from all unrighteousness. Listen to me closely. Listen to me very closely. I think some of you have missed it here. And the reason why maybe you're faltering and you're, Knowledge of God or your pursuit of Jesus Christ is for this reason. Are you ready? Here's another aha. You got two aha moments today. Okay. You're I'm so glad you came to church today. Here's your second aha moment. Are you ready? Everybody listening? The goal of confession is not to clear my conscience. The goal of confession is to cleanse and change my heart. Now listen, this is good. I think many of us, because of the guilt of our past, the things we've done, breakups, bad marriage, all this other stuff, we've got this guilt, we've got these bad feelings, got blah, 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 blah. And we say, okay, I'm going to confess this thing just because I need to clear my conscience. But if you don't deal with the heart, some of you are still walking around with this thing. And you wonder why it keeps popping back up, popping back up. Because the only thing you did was clear your conscience and make yourself feel better because you felt like you confessed to the Lord. But if you didn't deal with the heart, you're still going to be pulling this thing around. See, the goal of confession is not to clear my conscience. The goal of confession is to cleanse my heart. And sometimes we say sorry to get it over with, to clear our conscience. But has my heart changed? Amen. Amen. See, if I understand that in Christ, there is no more condemnation. I don't have the guilt of my sin hanging over me. So how do I deal with this guilty feelings? So we have to understand, let me close with this. We have to understand what is the difference between when guilt comes in my life in this condemnation and then the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says, pardon uh uh-uh. this isn't what I have for you, right? Because I mean, guilt and condemnation is different from the conviction of God in your heart that he wants to protect you from something, that there's a conviction in me that says, man, I'm in Christ now, and I know I'm not supposed to live that way. I'm, I, I know that I need to change in this way. I know my heart needs to change, and this is a conviction from God. What's the difference between guilt and true conviction? So let me give you this. I've got some things here for you that I want to, I want to just read to you as, as before we take communion. What's the difference between guilt and condemnation and actual conviction from the Holy Spirit? I want you to remember this. The conviction of the Holy Spirit will always move me forward. The conviction of the Holy Spirit will always move me ho- forward, but guilt will always hold me back. So let me give you some differences here. Guilt only brings regret. Conviction leads to forgiveness. See, when I hold on to my guilt and those guilty feelings, I'm going to feel regret and I'm going to bear that burden. But if it's a conviction of the Holy Spirit, now I have the power to go to the Lord and confess that thing to the Lord. And now what it's going to do is it's going to lead to Forgiveness conviction leads. So when I do something wrong and I know I've disobeyed the Lord and I confess that thing before the Lord, it's going to lead to forgiveness. Now I'm dropping that thing. I'm leaving it behind. I'm not dragging it behind me. See, guilt is feeling sorry for the way I feel. Conviction is sorry for the way God feels. You see the difference? Guilt says, look at the way I feel. Look at the way that blah, blah, blah. And no, no, no. Conviction says, wait a minute. Are you concerned about God and your relationship with him? That's conviction. See, guilt is feeling regret for being caught. Conviction is regret over offending God. God, have I offended you here? Because if I have, I need forgiveness. Guilt will always try to hide the offense. Conviction will seek God for his forgiveness. Guilt will try to cover. Guilt will try to justify it, not make it as bad as it really was. But true conviction will seek God for for his forgiveness because I know that this isn't what God's will is for me. Guilt tends to repeat the sin. Conviction leads to forsaking my sin through repentance. See, guilt says, you know, man, I did this and I know it was wrong. But then all of a sudden we do the same thing over again two weeks later. Right? That's guilt. Condemnation. It's not conviction. See, Paul talks about the difference of true godly sorrow and true worldly sorrow. And basically all guilt is is just worldly sorrow. It doesn't lead to a changed heart. See, guilt leaves me unchanged. Conviction allows God to change me. Guilt leads you away from God. Conviction draws you closer to him. If you keep getting reminded of your past over and over again, that's a guilt problem. You, you need to find yourself in Christ, say that thing has been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ and it's going to lead me closer to him. That, that's not conviction. That's just guilt. That's just the enemy trying to remind you of your past, right? That's all it is. But true conviction will draw you closer to him. If it's not drawing you closer to God, then it's not the true conviction of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus doesn't guilt you to serve him or draw him closer. He convicts you of those things so you can draw closer to him. Guilt leads you away from other believers. Conviction will lead you to seek help and prayer from other believers. See, ultimately, ultimately, conviction leads us to a closer walk with Jesus Christ. True conviction of God will lead to godly sorrow, which leads to life and freedom. And Jesus takes all that shame, all that guilt, all that stuff. That's what he died to on the cross for you and I. That's why we're taking communion today. That's why Paul says to the Corinthians, listen, when you take communion, when you remember what Jesus did for you, when you remember that the bread symbolizes his body that was given for us. The cup symbolizes his blood that cleanses from our sin. Whenever you take this, whenever you do this as the family of God, examine your heart. Examine your life. If there's anything that is wayward in there that needs to change, give that to the Lord. Do you all realize that God already knows it? He already knows that it's there. He's just waiting for you to confess it to him. So that thing can be dropped and it doesn't become baggage in your life. But we think by just holding on to it, it's going to make us feel better. That, that we think by holding on to it, God doesn't really know about it. God says, I already know about it. You need to confess that thing and drop it. So that it doesn't hinder your walk with me. Listen, set aside any sin that's hindering you because it's going to impede your race, your running with Jesus Christ and I'll tell you what some of you the guilt from your past and the condemnation from your past is something that is so overwhelming to some of you and you're wondering how do I overcome this or past sins or whatever it may be and it keeps creeping up in your life or somebody reminds you of it or whatever it is this is something that you have to leave at the foot of the cross Jesus died for that thing And he will set you free and break its chains that it's had on your heart for years. Let's run the race that is marked out before us in that freedom. If you've got sin in your life, that secret, that you're like, man, I've been battling this thing. This is something you can, the Lord is waiting for you to come and lay that burden at his feet so he can forgive you and heal you so you can start running the race that you don't have to run this thing or or, or run this thing in, in secret and hiding and all this other stuff that it does. Bring it out into the light. Let it be exposed so that God can deal with it in the right way and deal with your heart. See, the reason why most people struggle with sin and secret habitual sin is because it's still in the darkness. That hasn't been exposed. It hasn't been uncovered. You haven't given it to the Lord. And that's why I think a good fellow mature Christian friend is something you can just go to and just say, man, I'm, I'm struggling with this thing and I need, I need God's forgiveness. I know he's the only one that can forgive me, but I need to expose this thing in my heart. I need to, I need to get it out in the open because I, I can't deal with it anymore. Let God deal with it. Let God bring freedom and forgiveness in your heart today. And so as you take communion today, I want you to take communion with that freedom and the blessing that God wants to give you today, knowing that your sins have been forgiven. Do you realize that Jesus died for all sin on the cross? Died for it all. And he wants that healing in your life today. Let the conviction of God lead you to freedom see i can get up here and i can step on every single one of your toes and make you feel real guilty for your lives and how you don't measure up to god right and we may feel oh i'm so bad and i need to change right and the minute we get out the door 10 minutes later we forgot that whole thing right or we just go on living in our lives the way we always do but true conviction will lead to a heart change that says, God, I've got to draw closer to you and I can't allow this thing to remain in my life because I know it's impeding my walk with you. Let Christ do that for you this morning. Lord Jesus, as we come before your table today, thank you, Jesus, that it's not guilt that drives us to you, but it's your love and your forgiveness and what you did for us on the cross. So I pray today as we take communion that God, as we allow you to examine our hearts today, that we would just confess those things to you, whatever they are, and that we would lay them at your feet. Jesus, I pray that you would just help us to realize that we can confess our sin to you and that you're faithful and you're just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So I pray you'd set us free today. Thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit that draws us closer to you, not further away from you. True conviction will always draw us closer to you, Jesus, not pull us away. So give us discernment when guilt comes into our heart to cast that thought aside. And when conviction comes in, Lord, may we embrace it through confession so that we are drawn closer to you, Jesus. So as we take communion today, I pray that it would draw us closer to you, Jesus, as we remember your wonderful sacrifice. In Jesus' name.